0: All right, this is the Brewery Ministries podcast. This is the second episode. So we're a team of four people in Wichita, Kansas, and we are starting a church in a brewery in a few months. So this podcast is just a way for us to talk through some common questions that people have about spiritual issues. So everybody, uh, I'm Nathan, and I'm going to have everybody introduce themselves who's sitting here. So just briefly say who you are.
1: Okay, I'm Dana.
0: Jason. I'm Heath. All right. So today's question is, does God exist? This is probably a question that all of us have wrestled through at some point. So we just thought we'd talk through it and wherever you are at in your spiritual journey with this question, uh, we just hope that this is helpful to you. So um, without any further ado, my first question is, Has anybody in this group ever struggled with this question? The mic actually doesn't pick up nodding,
2: so... No, I have not particularly struggled with this question. Okay. Why or why not? I have struggled with not not so much existence, but activity level, so to speak. Whether God is active or whether he just sits back and watches the world burn. That's what I kind of struggled with. Is he involved in the world or not? Right. Okay. To me, the fact that a supreme being was out there was never questionable on my part.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So I would say that, yes, I definitely, um, wrestled with the question of does God exist? Um, when I was, you know, uh, late teens, early twenties, when I had to figure out the world for myself by myself, um, rather than just what I was always told, um, I really had to decide for myself and figure out for myself if there really was a God, because I was told from the earliest age I can remember that he was, and that's just the way it was. Mm-hmm. So I've always said, so I had to uh, figure that out for my for myself um, if God really existed.
0: Did you find that to be a scary question?
3: Yeah, it was extremely scary because it was um, a question of, of uh, salvation. It was a question of Of eternity, because I was always told how to be saved and how to live forever, so to speak, and and have to reconcile. When you start questioning, does God exist? Then that could crumble your entire existence and um, crumble your future.
0: Wow, man! So that's kind of like there's a lot on the line.
3: There's a whole lot on the line. Mm -hmm.
0: Investigating this was was frightening, then.
3: Yeah, it was. It was pretty critical. I would, you know, ask God show yourself to me so I know that you exist. Do something because I don't even know anymore. Wow. So I would kind of cry out about that when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20, all through that time frame.
0: Wow, so that was quite a few years. Yeah, there was a few yeah. years. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. I had to deal with that.
0: What about you, Dana?
1: Um, I would say that I've never really struggled with wondering if God exists. I don't know. For as long as I can remember, Um, I feel like just something in me, Told me that he was there. What wow. I have struggled with is explaining why I think he exists. I just didn't really have the words to. I didn't have. I just didn't feel like confident in pointing to something.
0: Mm, okay. Do you have any idea then, like what made you so sure that God was there?
1: Um. I think it was my great aunt. You know, because from a from a young age, you know, she would explain to my sister and I. You know, she would tell us the stories. Um, she, you know, she talked about God being there and like, you know, God can see you and he loves you. And, um, I don't know. And like, I just feel like there's like kind of like this small thing in the back of my mind that, you know, I remember being very young and just feeling confident that he was there. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I still have a hard time explaining that.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, I find myself probably closer to, uh, Maybe I'm going to split the difference between Heath and Jason for where I was because most of the time I I always believed in God. It was who is that God or what's God like or is he involved in the world? Or did he just start it spinning and then sit back? And and that kind of thing. I would say at times I wrestled a little bit with the question of does God exist? Just because, I don't know, when you hear other theories and other things, that kind of strikes a little bit of fear in my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe not so much anymore, but it it did for a long time. And I don't know if that's part of what compelled me to to search. But I, I did realize I... How do I know God exists at one point? And so then I investigated that. Investigating that question was a little bit scary because mm-hmm. it's like, well, what if He's not there? Uh, what if there is no evidence behind this? That was that was scary
2: for me. Mm. I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. since uh, we basically grew up in a environment that was you know friendly to Christians and I was taught by my parents the Bible from a young age. Um, To me, the question, does God exist and did Jesus exist, are two different questions. Yeah. Um, Yes, if you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus is God. Uh, But if you're not, that can be a tough sell. Um, So explaining, you know, did Jesus exist if he was a human is a lot easier to me than proving a spiritual deity just solely spiritual is that does that scare you at all or has it wait run that by me again so if if you believe that jesus was a human Uh and came in the flesh you have historical documents for that yeah do do you have historical documents for something that's spiritual or is that faith alone where you believe that i see i see or do you have other evidence that you sought out in order to prove one or the other to Mm -hmm. yourself.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's a big, that's a big question. So it's, it's easy to prove Jesus exists, like, as a historical person. The more difficult question is, was he God? Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's particularly what scared me about, well, I don't know if about scared, but that was something that I sought out in the beginning of my faith. Well, yeah, because for us,
0: if he's not, then we feel really duped, you know? Yeah. Like, we're accidentally following, you know, following some Cult leader—that's—that <laughs> is a scary question.
3: I know that I had to think about. I was introduced to other religions during that time uh-huh. when I was younger, and uh, um, Mormonism, particularly. And being introduced uh, to that, um, that changes your view of Jesus because it's a little bit of a different Jesus. And that really yeah. makes you kind of question, um, is this Jesus the right Jesus? Or did, he, you know, or was Jesus even God? So bringing in other religions can get a little bit confusing as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I can see that. Well, that actually might be part of the reason I, I got into the whole investigate from the ground up my own faith. Uh, because when I got introduced to some other religions, I started to think about like Islam and some of the other religions. And for a while, I, I thought that they were all just different versions of the same thing. But they're so confusing. And then, you, and then you do start to realize that there's contradictions mm-hmm. between each one. So I started to think, okay... I started off thinking that these are all just the same story, different telling. But then as I looked closer into each of them, they're not not—they're not quite the same. They've got similarities. They can't all be 100% accurate because they're in contradiction with each other. So then I started to get nervous because I was like, well, there's what, like 10 religions on the table? Mm. Like, how do I know I'm right and which one of these is right? So I, I think I backed all the way up and started looking at like, does God exist? And then, and then it came to Jesus, and then it came to these other things. Well, which version of Jesus is most accurate, you know, if any? So that's how I got started on that journey. Anybody else share a similar
2: path? Well, when I was in college, uh, I went to a Catholic university, and uh, I remember this one phone call I was having with my mom one day. I was on the way home, and I had just come out of theology class or something, and there was a specific term. I don't remember the term, but that really got me thinking, who actually was Jesus, and why do people say that he is X or Y? And uh, It had me researching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the case for Christ came, came a little bit later, but that was an amazing book. Yeah, yeah. As far as uh, evidence goes. Okay, so we all
0: wrestled with this question a little bit. Um, what made you want to investigate further? Like, why did you look into it at all? Or could you just be like, ah, I'm comfortable not knowing?
3: For me, as I had mentioned earlier, the reason why uh, I looked into, looked into the subject of God Exist, because that was my whole world that I had known. So I had to find out for myself uh, what was true and what wasn't. My investigation, I guess if we want to call it that, was going to a church because that's what I had always known. So I thought, well, I guess I have to start at Square Run and start at a church um, to try and find God. So that was that was my investigation portion of it. And again, it took a couple of years of going to church until I started getting really comfortable with um with Christianity and um the question of God and Jesus, it took it still took a couple of years of uh constantly going to church and uh talking to people and getting to know people and and pastors and so on and so forth until I got comfortable with um that God and it did exist and that Jesus um was
2: also God and is also God. Mm, Wow. Okay. So you were the church kinda kinda like I did. It was the thing you should do. It wasn't that I should do it. It
3: was that I needed to, because there was no other way for me to get those answers at that time that I could think of.
0: Oh, yeah. Hmm. You're like 100, so this is (laughs) pre-Google.
3: That is very true. It really was (laughs) pre-Google. When you walked in, did you hear the monastic chants? (laughs) This was uh, mid-90s.
0: Yeah, I, I find Dana's situation really interesting, because you grew up outside of the church. You had one Christian in your life. You ended up in the same place as Jason.
1: I did. So, um, you know, we were talking about I don't know, kind of, you know, like wrestling with, you know, does God exist, and you know, and if He does, like, what is He like? So, my great aunt introduced him to me at a young age, and it's kind of funny as I'm I'm listening to you guys and I'm I'm thinking about just what it looked like for me, you know, as a young kid. You know, it's God is love. You know, God God loves you. You know, He's He's great he's merciful but as I got to my teen years my grandma started chiming in um, and of course I wasn't a major um, like I didn't like rebel too horribly bad, but you know, I did push the boundaries a little bit. So my grandma would kind of, you know, like, Hey, God is watching you and kind of like made him out to be like this sheriff in the sky, like ready to zap (laughs) me. So for many years, you know, so you guys are talking about, you know, investigating God for a lot of years. I just, um, I wrestled with a lot of shame. Like I didn't want to investigate God. I just wanted to hide from God. Um, Wow. Just because I felt like he was so disappointed and so upset with me and stuff, so um, yeah, um, I did. So I did end up going to church, and that is where I met Jason. Um, but even even in that setting, though, I, it it has taken a really long time to shake that um, feeling of of being scared and and ashamed. So mm-hmm. so I did not do a lot of investigating. I was trying to stay off of God's radar. <laughs>
0: I wonder if subconsciously that's what I was doing, because my search took, I don't know, 10 years. When I started to have the question, is God just a force like in Star Wars, or is God just love or some, or or, or is he actually a relational being? Mm -hmm. I started to have those questions, but I took forever to actually pursue those. And I probably took eight or 10 years.
2: I hear you. When I started going to church, it took me probably well. When I started going to the one I do now, it took me like seven years to finally get to the point where, like, yes, I'm I I know my faith now, and I'm not turning back. And it, it took an incredibly long time. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I I think. I can't comprehend
0: somebody uh, knowing my my issues and flaws and still actually loving me, so like that doesn't seem to be a very human concept to me. So I, I don't know if maybe that's why we feel like we have to hide from God or not. But none of that matters if he's not really there. So what I want to know is, uh, when you explored this question, what kind of evidence compelled you to to believe in god or did did your investigation lead you elsewhere
1: well like i said i did not investigate however i did end up in an apologetic study group and um well if anybody you know anyone who knows me knows i'm a space nerd so when this topic yeah what it's true it's true anything planets anything um nasa i love it <laughs>
0: I, how, what? Well, I guess you
1: didn't know me.
2: Surprise!
1: <laughs> no, seriously, I think I've watched about every space documentary that's on Netflix. 2001? Spaceballs? That's not a documentary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> documentary, okay, okay.
1: So, okay, anyway, um, so in this apologetic study group, they started talking about the complexities of Earth's design. So, of course, that piqued my interest. Um, mm-hmm. But that was some major evidence that, that showed me that that God exists. Um, can I can I give you some examples? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, oh, go ahead. Okay.
1: One of the things was they talked about the size of Earth. If it were any smaller, apparently an atmosphere would not be possible. Um, but if it was any larger, the atmosphere would contain free hydrogen, so it would be like Jupiter. Um, the other one that that sticks out in my mind is um, the placement of Earth in our solar system. You know, one degree closer to the sun, and we would completely burn up. But if we were further, you know, earth would just be frozen. Growing up in school, you know, we always talked about the big bang theory. And, but, you know, when you think about where earth is and how it has to be, um, there is no way that that happened by chance. Like it just happened to land at exactly the right location, um, to sustain life. And I don't know when I heard that it just, it, um, that was just something that kind of tucked away in my brain. And And that gives me something to talk about with people, you know, now I can point to this and say, you know, God is our designer. He designed our universe and he placed everything just perfectly so that we could live. And, um, you know, and, and even the other planets, you know, they're not just running around in chaos, you know, there is order to that. Mm -hmm. There's just no way that that happened by chance.
0: Yeah, that stuff really spoke to me a lot too because the sheer number of variables like that that had to be just right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's, there's like 300 or something critical things like the size of the moon and we can't exist. But there's, there's more than that. Okay. So the gas giants are, are shielding the earth because they're so big. Like if a giant meteor comes in, they intercept it because of their gravitational pull. Oh, but the Earth kidding. used to be in a different spot. And at that point, Earth was being pounded by space, you know, mm-hmm. space debris and stuff. And so all of a sudden it gets moved over into this area where it's actually shielded. And and mm-hmm. we we're, we're positioned in a place where we can observe space. Because the Milky Way, like everywhere in the galaxy, you can't see like you can't hear. So there's all this different mm-hmm. stuff like that that I found really fascinating. If it was just one or two things, I could toss it up to chance. But then when it turns into like three or four hundred things, and then there's other evidence that I I found, like the math for there not being a God got worse and worse and worse and worse. And then eventually I I felt like, okay, I can't hold this position of there not being a God or be scared by it Mm -hmm. uh, and and hold it strongly because the math is bad. Right. (laughs) That's what I thought. What about you? I'm putting it, Jason, by the way.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so I would say during um, what kind of uh, convinced, I guess, is the word we're looking for, what kind of finally convinced me, let's put it that way. um, I wouldn't say it was any one thing, but some of the stronger things that... uh, One of the stronger things for me is the historical accuracy of the Bible. And the Bible tells the story of God, and it tells the story of earth, and it's an excellent history book. And the Bible is corroborated by many, many other history documents, not just the Bible itself. There's many, um, history documents that coincide with it, that agree with it, and that prove that it is correct. And so the amount of, um, prophecies that have come through, uh, come true through the Bible, um... The most amazing prophecy, of course, being the prophecy of Jesus himself um, in the book of Isaiah.
0: That same thing compelled me, too, because we've got a copy of that prophecy that's 200 years older than Jesus. Right. So you can, when I went on this website and like found it because it's in a museum and you can, you can look at it and, and read the translation of the original text. So like you can prove that the prophecy actually existed before he was born. And that kind of blows my mind.
2: It's kind of funny you mentioned the internet. Oh uh, yeah. I'm like, it's on the internet, it's true. But then you said museum and I'm like, Yeah, okay, it's at a that's legitimate. It's at a legit source. It it's been
0: carbon dated like four times. They've done multiple different kinds of dating tests on it. It's 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 solid that it's older than Jesus. I think it's 150 to 200 years older than him. But
3: the prophecy of Jesus is just a small piece. Yeah. The yeah. book of Daniel, um, i trying to remember the date on that one. <laughs> but the book of Daniel is full of prophecies that have come true. And um, it's, again, just like the earth. So the mathematical probabilities of the prophecies that have come true in the book of um, Daniel, and actually throughout the entire book, are uh, not mathematically very, very good. I mean, mm-hmm. and that really led me to realize that that book of uh, the Bible was truly God inspired. Once I established that, you know, God did exist, um, and uh, the Bible actually helped point me towards that knowledge that God did exist.
2: On the, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on the other side of Dana here and. Instead of macroscopic, I'm gonna go microscopic. Growing up with a mom in a lab tech field, I had access to all kinds of cool tech like microscopes and stuff like that, uh, pipettes. And I'm probably losing you in the terminology, right? Yeah, no, I, don't I don't even know what a pipette I'm just is. Just kidding. Um, so I got to check out like bacteria and cells, something that each human has trillions of, uh, which is incredible in itself. Uh, an example would be a zygote. That's one of my favorite words now. Is zygote like a goat? Uh, sort of it's it's when the sperm and an egg meet you know that forms the zygote you have you know two gametes coming together making a cell so every human starts there in fact every um, mammal and animal basically starts there uh, it's all chemically orchestrated and need no help from any human to me that's that's amazing and' I'm, I'm, I'm thinking what started all this and how is it able to basically make a human, with trillions of cells, with one cell, and have it work pretty much perfectly every time. That that was just amazing to me. And I'm like, it had to start somewhere. It can't start in a puddle of goop. Mm-hmm. I mean, you try to make something in a puddle of goop. Well, you're making the puddle of goop. You're talking me, about the primordial soup. Yeah. So for tens of billions of humans throughout h- human history, to me, that, that proves to me that God exists, or some form of God Mm-hmm. So if I was starting at that question, that, that would be an amazing evidence. Some people deny okay. that by saying, oh, it came from goop. And I'm like, what well, created the goop? And then you get into, what was it, St. Augustine that put forth that argument. You go back far enough, you always got to have some some first, first cause. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I heard you saying just now was that this process, like the creation of life, is just way too... Complex complex to to be performed without data or intelligence behind it, right? It can't be random.
1: Oh, this sounds like DNA talk.
2: It is. Are you a microbiologist too?
0: That's what I was thinking because one of my points (laughs) was um, the complexity of DNA. You brought up the primordial primordial soup. So that is uh, where they think, like some scientists think that life started, right? So they have this idea, it's a theory that there's a little pond or, you know, something, they call it primordial soup, and it contains all of the ingredients required for life. And just waiting long enough, whether it was electricity or, or whatever, somehow this pool got energized, and out comes the first cell, the first living cell. Um, I always felt uncomfortable with that because I thought, well, if this theory is proven true, then does that mean that there is no God? So I, I wondered if that would be like, you know, the nail in the coffin to the idea that there's a God who loves us. I don't think that's, that's really saying that anymore, though, because... Whether or not that happened, it's kind of like, well, who put all those ingredients there? Who orchestrated this? Where did all that stuff come from? So I don't know that there's any way to escape that question of what was the first cause of all of this? And where did all this information come from? I was investigating the the abiogenesis theory. Life coming into existence on its own from non-life, right? So in 2015 or 2016 or something, I, uh, I googled... Abiogenesis, right? And I came across dictionary.com. I was just trying to figure out what's their definition of of this term, and it said it was a dead theory. I was really surprised, and so I, I started looking around more. And as it turns out, there is no current um, unanimous theory on how life started. Abiogenesis was what they thought was it. That was disproven in 2015 because these three scientists won the Nobel the Nobel Prize for discoveries in DNA. Okay, so what they figured out was that the rate at which DNA decays should have made the development of life on Earth impossible. So DNA is like, I don't know, it's it's highly unstable and it requires these enzymes that are secreted from the cell wall in order to like keep it from exploding or decaying. These guys found that your cells actually have basically this repair program that can repair the DNA code. Like, not to mention that there's like billions and billions of lines of code in in DNA. Yeah, so it, it has this like repair program, and it, it prevents major mutations, and and it protects the cell so it can replicate
2: accurately and stuff like that. But goes back to what I said. earlier. Yeah. about tens of billions doing it perfectly almost every time.
0: This goes along with that theory of irreducible complexity, but they found that because DNA will blow up without the cell wall and its repair program, it can't come into existence like by itself. Like it, it can't evolve because it's too unstable. So you had to have the cell wall emerge at the same time as as the DNA itself it's just too So not
1: only is timing a factor but like the actual program it's or the programming or the code
0: yeah time you need all the ingredients you need like the timing's got to be perfect you need the code and it turns out even the dna code for the simplest cell is way more advanced than they thought so they, yeah, and, and they, they thought that junk DNA, like deleted lines of code or unused lines of code, they thought that that was evidence of evolution. But it turns out that then they started to find that junk DNA wasn't junk. They just didn't know what it was. So as they started to reduce the junk DNA, then they were like, well, now what? And that's kind of where they ended up with the a biogenesis theory. They, they can't figure out how something so complex could emerge and even if even if the first cell did emerge in the primordial soup i started to think okay so it's only got like once once it's there how's it going to replicate see how does it get to the point where it can make another cell it has to learn to do that before the first cell dies so that first cell has to evolve or this whole thing is over and i started to think about that and just like the, the layers, like the math is just getting worse and worse the further I went down the chain. And so if scientists can't figure out how life started, they don't have any theory. The only real theory that I could hang my hat on is that some intelligence of some sort put that whole thing together or started the first life or something. There's got to be a scientist. Like, I, I, you know, I can't... I wish my dinner would bake itself, but... <laughs> <laughs> it needs a baker. And that's what I ultimately settled on. So then then the question of does God exist stopped making me nervous. From there on, it was who is God?
3: Mm. Sounds like the next podcast.
0: Yeah. Although, um, I, should, I should mention, I, I myself was a former skeptic. And I know that skeptics are going to wonder, well, aren't we just saying that we can't figure this out? Therefore, God. So, what do you think about that question, and how would you deal with that?
3: There has to come a point of um, personal investigation, I think, where each person has to answer this question for themselves at some point. That they have to take the responsibility to decide these things for themselves and and um, kind of come to their own conclusions. It's not something that anyone can force upon us, and this is not an easy. And not an easy question to figure out. Right, right.
1: Like, are you saying like we're not exploring our evidence or that some Christians are not exploring their evidence fully? They're just like getting halfway and then just like, oh, this is so complex. So God must have done it.
0: Yeah, we can't figure out the equation. Therefore, God, God of the gaps thing. How do we know there is really a being behind all of this? So my answer to that is partly, well, he's revealed himself in a lot of different ways like the science speaks to me but then you've got to deal with the Bible and and some of the claims in there and the evidence for the Bible you've got to deal with the existence of Jesus and the unbelievable things that he did and the way that he, came to be a part of humanity, but yet was so far beyond us. There's that. There's the existence of of justice and mercy and things like that, the existence of good and evil. Are there any other things like that that you can think of that are, are different ways that God's revealed that there there is a personal God behind this? usually when there's a law someone made that law
1: Mm -hmm. so i could
0: see that as being
1: i mean that's like a lot of like random a lot of random like animals objects you know just everything that Mm -hmm. just follows this order and like there's no reason why it should
0: yeah yeah um this universe does not become more orderly like that Mm -hmm. that goes against the laws of physics I think it's the laws of thermodynamics, but things don't become more orderly here, they gravitate towards chaos. So, if something was organized at one point, you know, like like all these machines that we see, like like animals and just systems, the water cycle and stuff, you have to ask who organized this? Who organized this and put it into place so that it works?
1: Hmm. I guess I was thinking, I don't know. I was thinking, yes, there're laws and yes, these things are obeying the law, but I was I don't know. You re- you said something about a personal God, and I just thought like it kind of reveals that someone who loves us like lovingly put all these things together, like took special care to to create something that would function really well. Um, and kind of reveals like he's an orderly God. You know, he I don't know. That's an incomplete yeah. thought. Yeah, <laughs> no,
0: that I could see that. Yeah, I mean, he could have just stuck us in some kind of swamp. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I suppose that's that's excluding the argument of uh, war and humans basically destroying themselves. Yeah. So mm-hmm. do you mean like when you say it like works well? Are you talking like uh, if it wasn't for like moral injustice, it works pretty well if people didn't attack each other, kill each other in the name of whatever?
1: Well, now you're sticking humanity in it. You yeah, know, like,
2: like human dignity. Yeah. Well, what
1: I was referring to was things like seasons and.
2: Oh, okay. Um,
1: you know, planets orbiting things that you know they don't have anyone policing them. They just do their thing and they function like a well-oiled machine, you know. And there's no reason why they should. I don't think. Yeah. You know.
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> they. I think scientists tried to make a simulator because they, they thought if they figured out gravity, they could make like the the solar system and make it orbit and stuff. And then it was a computer program and they set it up and it just fell apart.
3: (laughs) (laughs) One other aspect that we're not touching upon or we haven't touched upon is the miraculous things that happen around us. Miraculous stories of of healing and personal. uh, There's many personal contacts with God in a spiritual sort of way and things that become very personal to people that, also can point to the existence of God. Um, You know, Christians especially have many, many stories about, you know, just things that just are not really possible, that kind of go outside of those laws of physics, Mm -hmm. and um, that point to someone that really loves them and someone that created them and, and wants them to prosper and prosper.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. I can see the skeptic basically doing the same thing with, what was it? Right, oil soup with this. Like we can't explain, you know, why things happen. Therefore, God made a miracle. Like can, he's some I kind can, of genie. Like yeah. I can, I can see a skeptic asking that. In fact, I asked it. I'm like, surely, for every healing, there's got to be, you know, some chemical reaction going on. Yeah. And then, you know, I kind of stumbled upon a couple things. One, it is a true miracle. Or two, uh, things. Just chemically worked out, and God was sovereign over that chemical working. Mm-hmm. That that can be an extremely complex thought process. Because I mean, uh, if you look at one example in the Old Testament, was a river was stopped up. Well, miles up the river, there was a landslide that stopped a river for like I don't know how long, a few minutes, and then the landslide cleared itself, and the water came flowing back, gave people enough time to cross the river. Oh. Okay. So I'm like, okay, on one hand, yeah, that's a miracle. On the other hand, God caused the earthquake to happen at just the right time. Right. For that event to transpire. So that either, just blows me away. I mean, yeah. So either God used natural means
0: to block off that river, or it just happened and it was just chance. So you're saying we're both looking at the same situation. The skeptic might
2: see it with a natural solution, but we might see it as, as God. I mean, the evidence might be available to both of us too. Yeah, in which case, I would probably ask, "What evidence do you need to prove whatever hypothesis you're looking at?" Because mm-hmm. if you exclude God, you're never going to see God as a as an option. You're right. Like that's that's
0: having to start our our investigation without a presupposition that there is no God. Like if you're gonna start your investigation and be unbiased, that's gotta be on the table. And if the evidence eliminates God, okay. But what if what if there is a God and we eliminated him before we started our investigation because we thought, well that sounds crazy, but what if that's what if that's the truth? We've already eliminated it, so we'll never get to the truth. Your
2: investigation will never be complete. Yeah. It'll just keep looping.
0: Yeah, so I I do think if you're investigating this for the
2: first time, like all possibilities have to be on the table. Even then, a, even a Buddhist god, right? Yeah, I mean, hundreds I, of gods or however many they have now. Wait, that's handy.
0: When I when I got serious about this investigation, I had everything on the table like that. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna be unbiased, I think that you have to. But for me, I feel comfortable with the way I read the evidence. So I'm I'm not scared for me of science taking me into an existence where there is no God, because I, I, I feel like I followed the evidence where it leads and everybody's got to do that for themselves. But yeah, I'm, I'm not afraid to tell people like put everything on the table and follow the evidence. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing. Uh, it was a lot of fun just sitting down and talking to you about this and, uh, we'll probably put another episode out in a month or so. So, oh, hey, before we go, what's something crazy
2: you're going to do this weekend? Are you going to go to the petting zoo, Jason?
3: I wasn't planning on it, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm going to have to think about this one. I'm going to restock my refrigerator because really? some of my food was uh, disappearing oh, this afternoon. Oh, that was me. That was me. <laughs> oh, that, okay, that is a real thing. I, at first, I was like, seriously? Like, that's, that's your best plan for the weekend? <laughs> like, all my frozen salmon and the... the Hot sauce and the fried dipping sauce. And- yeah, I was, I was living
0: in Heath's house, so half the groceries were mine, and I, I moved out, so. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, maybe you will actually do that. I know what Dana's going to do. She's going to take her army of rats <laughs> out somewhere on a She's- picnic. <laughs> on
2: <Out> a <of> picnic? <laughs> yeah, with rat leashes.
1: And <laughs> little rat hat. I don't know what I'm going to do this weekend. Maybe as little as possible.
3: Yeah. It's Maybe. only Monday. i <laughs> got a ways to go to get there. Oh, yeah. We're not even thinking.
0: Well, my parents are coming into town, so that's why I'm, I've got plans already.
1: Maybe I'll watch another Space Duck.
0: All right. Spaceballs?
1: Yes. You know, the first time I saw Spaceballs, I saw like a clip on it. It was on TV. I thought it was Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I asked Jason. I said I didn't know they had a dog on Star Wars.
2: What do
0: they call Darth Vader on that show? I don't know. Darth Vacuum.
1: I just remember John Candy as the dog, and I thought I thought he was a Star Wars character. <laughs> that's
2: awesome. I it's that's the unofficial to... uh, fourth part of the original trilogy. <laughs> that's supposed to be Chewbacca, right? Chewbacca and Han Solo.
1: Oh, maybe I've never yeah. seen Star Wars, so I don't know. What
0: you you have to go through like this mandatory Star Wars <laughs> training now?
1: Maybe that's what
2: I'll do Saturday. Okay, okay, (laughs) perfect. It will change your life. I will probably play video games all day. All day? Most of the day. Yeah, man. All right, well,
0: thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a good weekend, and clean out your refrigerator. I mean, restock your refrigerator.
3: See ya. We said
2: yeah, bye. Bye. Bye, Felicia. Who's Felicia? I don't know.